This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Emmanuel. Wow. As we were worshiping, I just couldn't uh, help but imagining an open door and how God is uh, giving us open doors in the middle of what seems like a season of closed doors. And uh, really, I've been so impressed with what God is doing behind closed doors. You know, one of the questions I've been asked is, Pastor Nate, what have you been doing during this time, and uh, just like everyone else, I've been working from home, and, and I've been observing what God is doing in people's lives and thinking about people's stories, and there's been some really great things. I've been watching how uh, God's been working in each of our locations, and in Maple Grove Campus, we've had an impact with, with uh, the cross program and the feeding uh, of people in the community that need it, in Elk River, we've, we've had the Abba uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center that we've been able to help and, and partner with, and it's been pretty amazing. And at, a, at the Spring Lake Park location, we've been able to partner with the schools and their feeding programs, and SEEP, which is an Anoka County Assistance Program, where we're helping deliver meals to people, and just some of those things. And not just Emmanuel, I've been impressed so much with what the kingdom of God is doing, and people everywhere, uh, churches everywhere. I'm just, I'm really thankful for the kingdom of God and the big C church as well and what God is doing in the lives of a lot of people. So I've been observing a lot of that, but I've also like, spent time in my house. And, uh, and you're like, well, so what do you do? Like for me, uh, I thought, well, I'm gonna take a couple pictures of you. So I took these pictures this weekend and, uh, and you know, we've been in many, many different spots in my house. Uh, I'll move uh, into my, my living room and, and I'll hang out in there. I'll have my laptop out there. Sometimes uh, I'll put the laptop down and I'll talk to people. Uh, I'll spend time uh, in, in, on, on the deck. Uh, and I took a picture this morning out on the deck because it's raining and I'm uh, not gonna be spending a whole lot of time in the deck in the middle of rain, but uh, uh, I've also been in the basement, and in my basement, we've got a kickboxing bag, and that's where I pound on that thing and beat the devil up. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to actually deal with, with uh, eating too much during the quarantine. Anybody else feel me right now? And so I'm trying to do the balance thing a little bit and try to connect with uh, what I should be doing, and then, of course, I have my reading room in the front where I just spent time, I call it my coffee. I have my coffee and my office mixed together, and I spend time just thinking, praying, reading, that kind of thing. So I'm also meeting with people on Zoom. I probably have more meetings than ever uh, with people, and I don't know about you, but um, I, I've got the Zoom syndromes. I'm tired of looking at screens. I'm tired of just looking at other people through other screens and talking back and forth. There's just a little bit of that element, and like you, I'm longing for the time when we can all gather together again and, and uh, even worship together as a church and uh, be looking for information as things begin to change and the dial has moved in our state. We're gonna have announcements as a church of what we can do. In fact, this week, be looking for an announcement about what we're gonna do next. For me, I think it's really important for me to stay positive on the positive end of my thinking wavelength, if you will, about what I'm doing. But I also am burdened. I'm challenged as I've watched and observed from home 
and thought about the people that are going through many different stories. Uh, uh, I, I've received text messages. We have people at Emmanuel that family members have uh, had the virus, some that have died, and, uh, and the, the, the pain and the, the hurt that those people feel is, is, is enormous, and we've been there. Our pastoral care teams are taking care of families to the best we can. Our connect groups are gathering together, and they're meeting each other's needs, but I just tell you, the, the sorrow is real, and it's, it's not going away. There's others that are on the front lines in the medical uh, field and hospitals and, and places where they're law enforcement and places where they're having to come in contact with a great need in our, our society right now. And, and they're feeling the strain and the pressure of it. And so I can feel the burden. It's challenging. But people are also looking for leadership in this season. And I noticed that when I looked at social media here and there. And, and I've noticed that people are just wanting, they have opinions about what leaders should be doing. And uh, that's because they want leadership during a season like this. And they want it not just in the church where they want to hear a pastor talk about what the word has to say, but they're hearing it in the government sector. They're thinking about it from the economy. They're thinking about it from what's safe and what's not safe. And, and, uh, and you know, there are many different opinions and what uh, about the people you disagree with. What do you do with that information? And I, I just know this, not everybody is dealing with the same thing. In fact, in this virus season, in this quarantine, we're not all in the same boat. We aren't. We don't all have the same circumstances. We're in the same storm, though. You see, some people have a yacht. Everything is good. They got their finances. Everything is fine. And other people are holding on to a piece of driftwood because they've lost their job. They're dealing with sickness, and the, and the, and the storm is real for them. And the reality is many people are dealing with a lot of different experiences. And uh, some of the people that I see and I hear, I can just feel the, the emotion and the energy from their perspective. Now, what I'm talking about actually is pressure. Pressure that comes from the outside. And pressure can do things to you. It can create good things. And pressure in the earth can create a diamond over hundreds of years and thousands of years. Pressure on water, on rocks, can eat away at the rocks and create things that are beautiful like the Grand Canyon. And, and what an amazing, amazing type of thing when you look at nature and how the power of pressure has its work on other things. But what does pressure do to a person? What does pressure do to you? Pressures right now are impacting emotions and relationships and dreams. And, and some people have let pressure connect them closer to family and friends. I know people who have started good habits since the quarantine started. I don't know about you. I, maybe you started a better eating habit or an exercise habit. Or maybe you're doing devotions more. Great job. I'm proud of you. Uh, others, the pressure has led to self-destructive habits, things that aren't so good, things that you don't like. And uh, in just two months, pressure has made many people into a different person. Financial pressures can cause people to lose hope, and dangers of substance abuse are real high right now, and suicide dangers are real present. And if you're in that place where you're close to thinking about taking your life, I want you to stop right now, and I want you to do what you can. There's plenty of, of helplines that you can call out to, but I also want you to think about it. This is a temporary season. Don't end permanently your life over something that is temporary. This too is going to pass. There is a different story around the corner. 
You might be thinking, there's no way, Pastor Nate. And I just said, you need to reach out to someone in that season. Don't think that thought in your head alone, but share it with someone that's close to you. Or, or, or get on, on the phone and call 1-800-THE-SUICIDE-PREVENTION-LINE. Get a hold of somebody and help other people. Financial pressures can cause people to lose hope, and there's dangers in substance abuse. And I think when I think of substance abuse, I think many people that have found freedom, there are many people out there that maybe you've gone back into the thing that you were in before. And I want you to know that's the outside pressure moving you backward. You don't have to give in to that any longer. You can make your way back to hope and life. And I believe that God is going to take pressure and do something good in you. But it's real pressure, it's peer pressure. You're feeling it around you. And where is that pressure taking you right now? How can parents take the pressure that they feel and turn it into something good for their kids' future? What does Jesus have to say to us in 2020? How would Jesus interpret the pressures that we feel? I'm so glad that we can answer that question by looking at the Word of God. And we've been looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. You take your Bibles out, take a look at that. In fact, I think we need to restore the paper Bible in our homes. And uh, pull out Matthew chapter 5. We've been looking at the Beatitudes in the series. And today, it's blessed, hashtag blessed, part 4, pure pressure. Hashtag part 4, hashtag blessed, part 4, pure pressure. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 10, we're going right into the next blessed. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Whoa, now that persecution word just leaps out to me even in this season as I think about the pain and the pressure that people are feeling. Persecution is something that is not foreign to the Bible and the people of the scripture. In fact, if you go in the Old Testament, you will see that the, the people of Israel were persecuted under slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. And, and then later on in the story, even after they had gone into the promised land and God had established the land of Israel, then they were taken into exile, taken over by the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And, and then they were oppressed by a nation from outside their borders, and, and the persecution was real. You lose your family. You lose everything you are. You're living in another country now, and that persecution is real. In the New Testament, there was religious persecution. Think about this. When Jesus showed up and he was talking to people and he was declaring the kingdom of God, there was persecution from religious leaders of his day that didn't like what he had to say and were threatened by what he was saying. And, and then later on, Jesus was killed. He was actually persecuted to the fullest extent. He was killed on a cross because he had done nothing wrong. He was doing the right things, and yet persecution happened to our Savior. Thank God he rose from the dead, and he brought freedom for all of us. But then those that follow Jesus, he says, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. 
We're going to experience some of those type of things, but we don't have to give in, and it doesn't have to destroy our lives. We can have a strength in the middle of our persecution. In the New Testament church, the church was persecuted, and persecution brought out a positive thing. The pressure spread the gospel through the whole world. I believe that Jesus will do things in the pressure of our lives if we let him that will produce good things in our story. He says that we're blessed when we're persecuted. That doesn't make sense, does it? We're blessed when we're persecuted. Does that seem odd to you? You may not feel blessed, but he says when you're persecuted for doing right and what's in his name, the kingdom of heaven is yours, is theirs. You and I can receive the present tense eternal kingdom of God. It's closer to those who are persecuted. God's kingdom is close to you. I love how the message version says the verse in Matthew 5.10. It says, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. If you let it, you can get closer to God, receive more of what God's eternal kingdom is right now if you let the pressure move you in that direction. See, there's opportunity in your trouble. The pressure will do something in you. The question is, what kingdom are you receiving in the middle of your pressure? What is it that you're receiving in the middle of your pain? You know, suffering and persecution have often similar effects on individuals. It affects us in a similar way. There's a suffering and a persecution that many people receive from oppressive authorities. Authorities that misuse their authority and bullies and abusers and people that do not have the heartbeat of God. And they're hurting people. There is real oppression. There's suffering that people go through when they lose their job and they don't have enough money or perhaps they don't have privilege like other people have in culture. And it can seem as though nothing is working right. And the question in the middle of all of that pressure and suffering that you may feel is what happens inside of you? What's going on internally? It's very natural to have a desire for justice. Somebody, somewhere, make this right. Change what I feel. I don't like what I'm going through. And that pressure moves us in that direction. But pressure can also destroy dreams. When somebody is oppressive to you for a long time, perhaps you grew up being told negative things about yourself your whole life. It can destroy and stop you from dreaming. And I want to stop right there and just say this to you. If you've stopped dreaming, either in the last two months or you've stopped dreaming for many, many years, you can dream again. There can be a new story in your future. Don't let the old oppressors stop you. Here's the thing. If you don't turn to Jesus in the middle of your suffering and the pain and the oppression and the persecution, then sometimes we become like who we despise. We become more like the one we hated, the one that hurt us. And this is the power of the gospel. Listen, only Jesus can keep oppressed people from becoming oppressors. Only Jesus can stop you from becoming what you don't like. Only Jesus can show you a different way. In the middle of the pressure and the suffering, I believe that God can help write a new story. You're saying to yourself, God, why did you let this happen to me? 
And maybe sometimes you want to point the fingers at the authorities. Who's making all the decisions about when we open, open up society? And why aren't we more people wearing masks? And who's making the choice about what we do with our economy? All kinds of thoughts come up in our head. We wonder and we want to blame and it's natural to blame. But I want to caution you in the middle of this. I want to caution you because one of Satan's goals is to separate us from God's authority. And the enemy will subtly work to get us away from our source of strength. Remember we read just at the beginning of this whole crisis, I preached from Psalm 91, that the one who hides under the shelter of the Almighty, that's where our strength is. We need to stay underneath God's authority, his protection, and his blessing. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to get us to not trust earthly authority, which shakes our ability to submit and trust God's authority. And this is something that the Bible talks about would happen in the end times. The end times people will give in to lawlessness. Now there's an interesting passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there or study it this week. It's fascinating. But in there, it talks about what's going to come when Jesus returns and what happens before that moment. Now, I'm not going to break down all of the prophecy here, but I want to read through it and I want to caution you. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when this time, his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. And will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Now listen, my point isn't to look at who is the Antichrist or when is the Antichrist coming. That's where a lot of people get off track, to be honest. No, I want you to look at the attitude of people and the society that creates the atmosphere for an antichrist. You see, the pressures around you could create lawlessness in you. The lawlessness around you could create lawlessness inside of you. And the, the admonition of a, the apostle in 2 Thessalonians is very simple. Don't be surprised when this happens and underneath the enemy is at work trying to create lawlessness. I want you to think about the hour we're in, worldwide. Everybody is questioning every authority. Everybody has a different opinion about what should and should not be done. I have seen more conspiracy theories and more kind of things going on, and some of them might have 20% truth and 80% not truth. 
But I'm not even worried about some of those things as much because I know my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life and I know I'm going when Jesus calls me. What I am concerned about is I'm concerned about in my own heart when I am looking through the information, what is my next thing I do with that pressure? Do I begin to reject authority and then call other people to join my party? Or do I turn my heart to Jesus? Because Jesus is the one that will slay the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, with his breath. Jesus needs to be my focus in a season like this. Can I get an amen to that? See, the truth is, we need to look to Jesus. It says, the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. And that is just nothing more than a great promise in the middle of times that we don't understand. Listen, above it all stands the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is in charge. We don't need to be worried. But if our eyes get off of him and it moves to lawlessness, we will lose the strength of what we can receive from him. So how do we have faith stronger than persecution or suffering? How do we have faith that is stronger than persecution or suffering? How does that not destroy you? Well, the early church shows us a lot. They handled an enormous amount of pressure. Shortly after Jesus ascended and the day of Pentecost came and the church was born, the birthday of the church in the book of Acts, you can read in Acts chapter 2, it's powerful. In fact, Pentecost Sunday is coming in just a couple of weeks, and I'm praying for a great move of the Spirit of God in the church, in our church, and churches everywhere. Holy Spirit, come and move, just like you did in the early church. But something happened. As soon as the Spirit began to move, persecution hit the church. People were, were being hunted down for being Christians, and they were being murdered. And there are stories in the book of Acts, you can see it, people like Stephen and the, even before Paul became an apostle, he was one of those that would go kill people. He would persecute Christians. And that stuff was going on. And, and as they were in that season, I want you to know that that persecution the church was feeling was much like the persecution you and I may feel. See, in those days, people were being persecuted for racial things. There was Gentiles versus Jews. For, for governmental things, the Romans were in charge. And there was local governments and religious governments. And they were all fighting with each other. And that's just like it is right now. Everybody's fighting with everybody. But what did the early church do? Did they get caught up in everybody else's fight? Or what did they do? No, they prayed for boldness. In the middle of persecution and pressure, they didn't pray for the persecution to go away. They prayed for boldness in the middle of it. Not for God to stop the persecution. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 28. This is their prayer. It says this, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. They didn't... Ask God, get us out of this crisis. Stop the crisis. You know what they did? They said, God, make us bold in the middle of the crisis. Strengthen our resolve. Help us stay on mission, keeping our focus on what you want us to do. And they prayed. And they prayed not just for deliverance. They prayed for boldness, and they prayed for signs and wonders. You know, we can pray for signs and wonders in this day and age. 
God, do the supernatural. Do the supernatural in people's homes. Let the next generation begin to see signs and wonders happen with mom and dad praying in a house. Lord, would you begin to move in our cities in ways where, Lord, it's very clear only Jesus could do this thing. You see, God was making the church stronger in the persecution. He was making the church stronger in the persecution. In other words, he was using it to make them stronger. Sometimes we want to get out of it. We want to hold on. We think we'll be strong in the future. But the way that God makes us strong is he allows us to go through difficult times to build us up. This is where it says it in Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, for he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He is developing endurance as a result of our problems and our trials. I know this is important. Now, a few years ago, when I was running more, and now I'm doing the kickboxing thing, but there was a time when I tried to do the running thing. And uh, those of you, as you age, you know the, the reality of knees and, and things that creak and things that don't work like they used to. But I remember I was trying to run a little bit longer. And so I started off running a half mile, and I, then I, and I was like, I, I dropped on the ground, overwhelmed by a half a mile. And then I could do a mile. And then I could do two miles and three miles and four miles. And I had to build up my endurance so I could go further. I believe that God can build up our endurance so that we can go further than we thought we could before. He's doing something right now. He's building you. He's building strength in you. And if you let him. God was making the church stronger in the persecution, and he can make you and me stronger right now. And in the middle of the pressure, the church stayed connected. You know what? The church didn't just pray. They stayed connected. They gathered house to house. They prayed. They listened to the apostles' teaching. There's all kinds of stuff in Acts that you can see where they gathered together and they prayed. And this is why we talk about this in Growth Track and we got another run of growth track coming up in just a couple weeks. But in growth track, we talk about, hey, the importance of being planted. You're like, well, what does that mean to be planted? Well, for you and I, we need to be able to put our roots down with the other believers, other believers in the church. We need to stay connected to other people. Not just that, well, I'll get my, my on-demand church this week. I'll put that in there just like I take my vitamins and then I'll move on. No, church family relationship is far more than just listening to something on the, on the screen. Church means sister to sister, brother to brother relationships. And we need that. And I challenge people in Growth Track, hey, be planted. If not at Emmanuel, be planted somewhere. But be connected to other believers. We also use the metaphor of, of redwood trees and how in the redwood forest on the, on the west coast, how these trees go hundreds of feet tall and uh, they've stood hundreds of years They've, uh, storms have come off the coast and they still make it. They don't tip over and the storms don't take them out. How do they stay so strong? You think, well, maybe they got deep roots. No, they don't have deep roots. In fact, their roots only go eight to 10 feet deep. 
You know how they stay strong? They stay strong by all those roots being connected to the other redwood trees. And just like the redwood trees, our strength comes from the relationships we have with other believers. We need to stay connected. That's what the New Testament church did. They stay connected. And it's vital for you and I to, to pick a house of God and stay planted. And I want to just say this specifically about an hour like this. We've had the benefit during this season of quarantine where people have been able to listen to, to preachers from all over. Perhaps you've gone to two or three churches on a given weekend. And I love it. I've been able to hear preachers. There's great things going on in churches around the country. Wow, that's powerful. But observing and watching something is different than being connected to other believers. And as we come out and the dial changes and now you have an opportunity to either just keep watching on the screen or go back to church, I want to encourage you, stay connected if you can, if you have to do it through Zoom and other places with connect groups and that kind of thing, do that. But when you are thinking about your faith in the future, you need to stay connected to other believers. It's absolutely vital. Stay connected, be in one house. Be connected to one place. We need each other. And not only do we need each other, we need to embrace what God is doing in us as a church. Because he's made us a house of prayer for all nations. It's not people that are just like us or think just like us. It's a place where we all come to Jesus from our various vantage points, various opinions about what's going on in the world right now, various opinions about what the government should do, whether or not we should wear masks. Everybody, we got a whole bunch of, we got different language groups, people from different countries, people with different skin color, people from different socioeconomic statuses. All of those people form one church. And I don't want to be in a place where I only want to talk to people that are just like me. I want people that are broken just like me, who trust in a savior just like me, to be the family of God. It's important that we stay connected. So how did the early church grow strong in the middle of persecution? They prayed, they stayed connected to each other. But then I also want to draw you to something. They sang, they stayed connected to God, and his presence was among them. And if you're confused and you need to clear your head, I love to read like a, an old book that would take me back, back to what I need to be thinking about is Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, the psalmist, you can read it all the way. I'm, on, I'm going to start with verse 13. But you can read it. He begins to verbalize to God what he's thinking emotionally, internally. It says this, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Anybody feel like that? If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. And then verse 17 says this. Then, everybody said then. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. Remember, it matters what's going on in your heart in the middle of your persecution. 
He says, my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading to a generous, glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. This psalm meant so much to me early on in my story. As I was graduating from high school and I had two years of community college in Michigan and I really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I, I, I felt the pressure to, to, uh, to uh, share a story that was good enough for everybody else to like it. But inside, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was not confident about my own skills or my personality. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember looking at people who simply didn't even care about God. And they were getting promotions and jobs and chasing careers, going off to colleges. And they knew what they wanted to do. And I was like, well, this isn't fair. I've been serving you, Jesus. And why is it they, they know what they're doing? And everything seems good about their life, but not mine. And right at that time, I read Psalm 73. And I kind of reflected on this in Psalm 73 because in my heart there were things going on. I had begun to put my heart in trust of outward things for my inward security. And I didn't know what to do next. And in one version it says, until I entered the sanctuary of God. That was when the light bulb went on. That in the middle of my suffering, in the middle of my sadness, in the middle of a season that I didn't like, I could turn to God and in his presence, that's where everything was cleared up. And you know what my sweet place is? My sweet spot as a leader, it's not in eloquent words or telling the best stories. It's when I get in the presence of God. And there's nothing like being in his presence. Because when I'm with him, I can empty my heart of all the crud. And he can fill me with the purity of heaven. And the purity of heaven is stronger than the pressure outside. See, I want the pure pressure of God to strengthen my soul. I want him to help me move through this. And I believe as I trust in him, he's making me stronger. I don't need to worry about what's next because he holds my future. The enemy wants to shut down your praise, friends. He wants to stop you from digging into the presence of God. The pressure wants to shut up your ability to connect with God. And it's designed to keep you away from his presence. And when you're away, you're overwhelmed and you forget that God is with you and you lose a sense of time that Jesus is coming and you do have a future. But when you go in, you start to see the world differently. You gain perspective. The kingdom of heaven is close. And the enemy wants to shut that down. One of the diabolical parts of the virus that season that we're in is it's kind of shut down people's praise. On the East Coast, there was a choir that 
sang and somehow they transmitted the virus and the people are, governments and others are now saying, well, it's not good to sing out loud. I think that's a diabolical piece, not the government leaders. I understand they're looking at research. They're not thinking about it like I am. But I just want to say this, church, don't let anything stop your praise. Don't let anything shut you down. You have got to sing it out to God. Let him know. Jesus said it this way when he was walking along. He says in Luke chapter 19, blessings. Uh, People were singing this to him. They were saying, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Listen, friends, we can't let the rocks take our place in praising our God. We've got to go into the sanctuary. That's our secret place. That's our place of strength. That's where we're underneath the shadow of the Almighty. We've got to ask the Lord to take lawlessness out of our heart and remember we trusted Him so that we can do what He's called us to do and be on mission in this hour. Today we're going to follow the Psalm 73 directions. He said, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood. We're going to take our pressure to Jesus. You about to shut down? You about to blow up or melt down? Then take your pressure to Jesus. Open your mouth and sing, and you'll discover that God is with you. You can raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah is uh, written as one word, but it really comes from two Hebrew words. Both the words and the concepts have been merged into one. In the first half of the word, the verb hillel means to praise. And it is used hundreds of times in the Bible. But praise what? That's the second word. The Jah or the Jehovah, Yahweh. Praise the Lord is what hallelujah means. It means if anybody's going to get my praise, it's going to be God. If anybody's going to get what's inside of me, it's going to be God. If anybody's going to take me through this, it's going to be God. Today, church, let's begin to praise him. Let's begin to worship him. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice today. Let's sing this out today. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief, I raise. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. My weapon is a melody. Yeah. I raise a hallelujah. All hell becomes a fight for me. I'm gonna sing. Come on, sing it out.
Yahweh. Hallelujah. You are worthy of it all, Lord. You're worthy of it all. You know, church, those that are joining us online today, he is worthy of it all. He's worthy. He went to the cross, Jesus did, for all of us. And you can put your faith in him right now. Could be while you were joining us and you're worshiping that you felt the tug of heaven calling at you to push away from the pressures of the world around you to the purity of heaven talking to you. And if you are in that space where you're ready to give your life to Jesus or you want to come back to him, you can do it right now. Just real simply, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and I know you're alive. Today, I surrender to you. Please forgive me of my sin and make me new. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm so glad because I know God's at work in your life, and I want you to take the next step you could, either right now or when you can with your phone, can you just text the word Emmanuel to 313131? Take your phone out and just text Emmanuel to 313131. I want to send you a quick link to your next steps of following Jesus. It's really important that you do that. For all of us, I'm looking forward to continuing to pray that prayer of blessing here at the end. But before we do that, like Pastor Ben's got a few things to share with you. Watch this. Wow, what an encouraging word. Thank you, Pastor Nate. As we're worshiping together today, we wanna take a moment and worship God through our giving. And I know it's different where we're not actually putting money into a bucket that's passing by us in the row, and most of us have moved our giving online. And I wanna acknowledge your faithfulness and the tithe in this moment, and encourage you that through your giving, God is at work. Just recently in one of our youth services on a Wednesday night, a student who was watching online said yes to Jesus for the very first time. Can we celebrate that together for a moment? That just gets me excited. It's also exciting to see what God is doing through your generosity and kingdom builders all around the world. So as we take this moment today, let's just acknowledge that we place Jesus at the center of our financial picture. We're thankful for all that God has done and all that he's doing. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your care and your provision. That God, even in the most difficult seasons of life, we can trust you. And Lord, today we just celebrate everything that you're doing here locally at Emmanuel and all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I want you to know that our team is praying for you. Over the last weeks, we've gotten a lot of prayer requests in on our website and through our app, and our team takes time every week to pray over those requests. So I want you to know that today, if you want us to stand alongside of you and intercede for you in prayer, we want to do that. So if you go on our website or through the app and click the prayer button, you can fill out a quick request and we'll be praying for you. All right, back to you, Pastor Nate. All right, as we end our time together this week, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you, perhaps the people that are with you right now. Can you just do this? Put your hands like this like you're receiving a gift. Father, would you turn your face towards these, your people? And would you smile on each and every single one of them? Lord, your smile brings hope in the middle of difficulty. Your smile strengthens the persecuted. Your smile restores the, the joy to those that have lost it. 
And I pray, oh God, that you would strengthen each and every one of us, that you would make us stronger and endurance would grow in each and every one this week. And Lord, may this be the best week of our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen. Love you, church. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.